You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we'll be bringing you our official preview of Liverpool versus Arsenal. The Gunners travel to Anfield in what many people are calling a huge litmus test uh, for this Arsenal side. We've enjoyed a, a much better run of form. There's been a lot of positives to take away from Arsenal's recent performances and Arsenal's recent run of results. However, this is the game that lots of people are saying is going to give us a better indication um, as to where we're at in terms of our development. Are we yet ready to compete for a place in the top four? Are we ready uh, you know, to nail down a place in the top six? Are we nowhere near either of those? Are we just going through a bit of a, a you know, what do they call it? A hot streak at the minute. Um, you know, we're going to find a lot out about this Arsenal team at the weekend. And I think this is a really, really interesting game as a consequence of that. On this edition, we're going to be discussing the lineup that I would like to see, the lineup that I think Mikel Arteta is probably going to go with. We'll be reacting to Mikel Arteta's press conference, which he gave earlier today. We'll be uh, talking about the tactical side of the game. And of course, at the end, I'll be giving you my prediction for this one. So lots and lots to get through. Uh, big hello to everybody who's already with us in the live chat. I hope you're well. Uh, I hope you're good. And a big hello, of course, to anybody who'll be watching or listening to this back a little bit later on. But without further ado, let's get into it and let's kick off by discussing Mikel Arteta's press conference. Now, of course, the Spaniard, as I say, faced the media this morning ahead of this one and uh, dropped a couple of uh, surprises, I have to say. Now, yesterday, and, and you'll recall if you watched the show, uh, the, the Canton and Simu show where me and Tom were talking uh, about the match, we told you, and, and as was widely reported, that Thomas Partey was going to be fit and available for this game. Now, I'm not saying that he definitely isn't going to be fit and available for this game, but Mikel Arteta's comments were contradictory to what the club put out yesterday. And so we're in a weird position where we don't really know if Mikel Arteta is playing mind games, trying to get ahead of the game, trying to be clever, trying to uh, maybe pull the wool over Jurgen Klopp's eyes, or if indeed Thomas Partey is actually a doubt. So let me just highlight a, a few of the comments from the press conference. I'm not going to go through the whole thing because many of you would have seen it. Many of you would have already read the transcript, but I just wanted to pull up a couple of, uh, of comments. So let's start with the Thomas Partey bit. So Mikel Arteta was asked uh, about Thomas Partey's fitness and he said, he could not play for the national team. He really tried to do that because they had a massive game and he really pushed for it, but he wasn't close enough to doing that. Again, it's something we have to assess today because he hasn't done enough preparation work. So Mikel Arteta suggesting that actually, although the club's injury update, which came out yesterday, didn't say anything about Thomas Partey and certainly didn't list him as being injured or unavailable or a doubt or anything like that, there is a chance that he might not make it. And I'm just, you know, I'm trying to work this out. Is this Mikel Arteta 
playing mind games? Is this Mikel Arteta trying to be smart? Is this Mikel Arteta, as I said previously, trying to perhaps pull the wool over Jurgen Klopp's eyes, leaving a bit of mystery to what Arsenal's team might look like? I don't know. Also, we heard from a number of uh, well-respected sources earlier in the week when Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang returned from international duty early that that was pre-planned. However, that's not what Mikel Arteta said in the press conference today. He said, no, it wasn't pre-planned. We have to assess him and see how he is and make a decision. We have a lot of players who've been through some difficult games, uh, issues, little injuries. So today we have to test everybody and see how we are to play tomorrow. So look, make of that what you will. And I guess we should probably put a poll in the chat. Is Mikel Arteta, uh, is Mikel Arteta playing mind games ahead of our trip to Anfield. There you go. So if you're watching us live on YouTube right now, you can vote in that poll, which is pinned in the chat section. Get involved. Check it out. Um, I, I don't really know. I, I think it's so difficult to to know whether Mikel Arteta is, is trying it on or, or whether Mikel Arteta does have genuine concerns over a lot of these players. You know, I like to think and I hope that it is mind games because I think, you know, I've expressed a couple of times now this week that I'd be very worried about going to Anfield, especially without Thomas Partey in midfield and without Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to lead the line, our captain, our talisman, someone who's been in much improved form of late, someone who's shown that he does care, that he is involved, like he is all in for this project, that he is on board with with what it is that we're doing and, and the way we're trying to develop in. So uh, we're trying to develop, sorry. So let me know in the chat, what do you think? Is Mikel Arteta playing mind games with regards to the fitness of Thomas Partey and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang? Or do you think there is genuine concern about whether those two guys are going to be available? It makes a massive difference to the way we're going to line up, I would say, and the way that we probably should line up if those two players are not available. But I'm hopeful, hopeful that this is just Mikel Arteta uh, trying to be smart and a bit of a ploy. And, and I can see from those of you that have voted so far in the YouTube poll, 85% of you believe that Mikel Arteta is playing mind games and just 15% are concerned that actually there, there might be a serious problem here. I think it's important to note, and, and Caps raises this point in the chat as well, um, that Arteta gives nothing away in any situation, to be honest. And I think that's quite true. I think that what Mikel Arteta uh, has done throughout his Arsenal tenure is he's kind of been very reluctant to give anything away. I think to a point that's a good thing. But I think sometimes as a manager, you need to give fans just a little something to feed on, just a, a few crumbs here and there for them to kind of keep interested and keep following you and keep, you know, wanting to hear what you have to say. So, yeah, you know, there is a good chance that these are mind games. There is a good chance that actually there's nothing to this and that both of those players will be named in the starting 11 come tomorrow. But it does worry me. It does concern me because we've gone on this kind of roller coaster, haven't we, over the last few days where we were up here, you know, we were looking at the game and we were going, this is the first time in a long time we feel that we can go to Anfield and be competitive and, and take the game to Liverpool perhaps and, and cause them problems. So we were up here. Then we heard that Partey was a doubt and we heard that Aubameyang was a doubt. And I don't know about you guys, but I ended up back down here yesterday with the news that Aubameyang was okay and that it was pre-planned and that Partey 
was okay. I, I was back up here again. And now this morning, I'm, I don't really know where to be on this because, um, as I say, I think it makes a massive, massive difference. And I'll come on to discuss exactly what I think changes in the result of them being absent in the tactical bit that we're going to do in just a, a few minutes time. Those were the big bits from, from Mikel Arteta's press conference today. He did touch on a couple of other things. Um, you know, we'll just kind of skim through it because I'm wary of taking up too much time on this. You know, he talked about Emil Smith-Rowe uh, being very good for England. He was obviously full of praise for Liverpool and, and the way they've played over the last few seasons, the consistency with which, um, you know, they've uh, they've performed over the last few years. Um, he was asked whether we can compete for the title. I think that's just a silly question and one that is just designed to kind of create a soundbite that then leads to Mikel Arteta being ridiculed later on. And, and that's why, you know, that's the thing. I think with, with journalism, there is a fine line, right? Because you want to ask what people want to hear, but often what people will say they want to hear is, is a stupid question. And often what people would ask is, is just, you know, nonsensical. And, and that's why a lot of us are not, you know, well, a lot of people are not in that, I don't think a lot of people are, are mindful of of the difficulty a journalist has to go through in order to find that balance between asking good, engaging questions, managing the relationship between themselves, the club, the manager, so that they do get that information and they do get that access, but also, you know, coming across in a way whereby you're not being seen to be trying to catch someone out. And I think that's a that's a big problem. Um Mikel was asked about um about you know whether we could win at Anfield what's our rec what why our record there is so bad etc etc whether this is the uh toughest test that our defense have faced one other bit that kind of jumped out to me a little bit was um on Pierre Emerick Aubameyang if he's still on penalty duty Mikel Arteta didn't just say yes he didn't just say Yes, he's our penalty taker. He's our captain, et cetera, et cetera. He simply said, we will make those decisions in regards to what we want to do. So again, Mikel Arteta giving very, very little away uh, on this. He was also asked about the futures of two players, two players who have been uh, in the press in the last few days with regards to their futures. First one being Alexander Lacazette. Mikel said, there's so much talk about that. What I can say is I'm really happy with Lacazette and what he's doing at the moment. As I've said, though, we're not going to be talking about any of that until the end of the season. So again, um, you know, is that, is that, true is is it true that arsenal are going to wait till the end of the season i find it very hard to believe that there won't be some sort of discussion prior to the end of the campaign i mean remember alexander lacazette would be free to sign for a club on the continent in january you know he'd be allowed to have those talks he'd be allowed to sign a pre-contract agreement because that's the way it works so i just find it impossible to think that alexander lacazette would almost you know just put off his future, be happy like that, be happy to just kind of, um, you know, kick the can down the road and say, no, no, it's fine. We'll wait till the end of the season. I think he'll be pushing for at least some talks to to be sort of taking place behind the scenes. Whether that materialises into anything concrete before the end of the season remains to be seen. But I, I find it, as I say, very difficult to believe that this is a conversation that isn't going to be had at all and is going to be completely pushed aside. 
until the end of the campaign. He was also asked about Mohamed El Nenny. Um, he said, again, I'm really happy with Mo. I won't be discussing individually players. It's not the time to do so. And again, that comes off the back of reports linking Mohamed El Nenny uh, with a move away and uh, reports that we were willing to term or are willing to terminate his contract in January to allow him to join another club. So again, both on the transfer front and both on the injury front, Mikel Arteta very coy uh, going into tomorrow's big, big game. Right, let's talk a little bit about the tactical side of the game because I think this is a really, really intriguing fixture for a number of reasons. Now, as you'll see on my uh, famous old tactics board, um, I've put the Liverpool lineup that I think we're going to see. And just to run through that for those of you listening on audio, and this is based on what I've been told and, and the conversations I've had with some Liverpool. Uh, journalists and, and Liverpool fans over the last few days. Alisson in goal. think it'll be a back four of Alexander-Arnold, Matip, Van Dijk and Simikas, who will be replacing the injured Andrew Robertson. But lots of people tell me that Simikas has been in really impressive form this season. So not really, well, it is a downgrade, I guess. But with Robertson's form having been a little bit questionable in recent weeks, I think Liverpool fans will feel quite confident that the Greek international, who had a good game um, for Greece the other day, can come into the side and and make that a, a seamless transition, if you like. Moving into midfield, I think it will be based, that, again, and, and this might change, but Thiago Fabinho and Henderson, assuming that he's passed fit. Front three of Mane, Jota and Salah. Of course, Roberto Firmino, who traditionally plays very, very well against the Arsenal, is unavailable. Now, if you look at the other side of the board, I've put the Arsenal team down, but I've not filled it all in because I think there are some question marks. I think there are some concerns and I think there are some decisions for Mikel Arteta to make. So let's discuss those together. Feel free to contribute in the chat box. I'd love to hear from you. I think we can all agree that Aaron Ramsdale is the number one now and we'll start in between the sticks. I think we can all name three of the back four, Tomiyasu, White, Gabriel. But the big question here is at left back. Now, we put a poll out yesterday during our live stream. Um, and the question was, would you start Nuno Tavares or would you start Kieran Tierney? And actually, perhaps to my surprise, a lot of people leaned towards Nuno Tavares because he's been very, very impressive of late. He brings, in my opinion, greater athleticism. He's more direct in terms of the way he carries the ball forward and his unpredictability causes chaos doesn't it and at times that's kind of what you need to try and break people down to pull people out of position and I think sometimes when everything is so structured the way it is when Kieran Tierney plays on the left I think we are really predictable I mean if you think back to the start of the season one of the big criticisms that many of us had of this Arsenal side was that the, the plan was always the same it was always about the midfielder dropping into the left-back position or somewhere around that vicinity. Tierney bombing on and Arsenal work in a situation whereby they got the ball out to Kieran Tierney on the left for him to then deliver in the box. And one of the big things we were saying was we don't have that threat in the penalty area to be wanting to play that way. Plus, everybody knows that our sole aim or ambition, I guess, was to create that overload on the left-hand side. I don't think that's been as true with Nuno Tavares in the side. Now, this is not to knock T Kieran Tierney, right? Because ultimately, he's just doing what he's being instructed to do. But I think Tavares's unpredictability gives us something different in the final third. You know, we've seen him at times not just go on the outside of people, not just want to beat his man 
on the outside and then create that space in field for maybe a Mill Smith Rowe or Bamiyang if he pulls out to that side. What he's actually done is he's driven in field with the ball sometimes. He's changed it up. You've seen him receive the ball at left back and carry it right through the midfield. And that drags people out of position. That causes teams to press the panic button because you don't, you know, when you're setting up in a in a formation and in a system with a very clear idea of what you think it is that Arsenal want to do. And then someone essentially rips up that blueprint and just goes rogue and does whatever it is they want. That's very, very hard to defend against. And then there's this hesitation. You know, if he drives infield from left back, do, do your midfielders step out to confront him? In which case they're leaving your midfielders, uh, they're leaving the opposition's midfielders, I should say, free. Do Does your right back who may be worried about him or may be tasked with worrying about him normally or right midfielder follow him into the midfield there's there's just so many questions that get raised when a player goes rogue and does something like that and look you shouldn't do it all the time because then it loses its effect you also can't do it every time from a defensive perspective because it leaves you exposed and teams will very quickly suss that out we're playing at the highest level here but i do think there's a lot to be said for that unpredictability that Nuno Tavares brings to the side. I guess the argument for Kieran Tierney here is that he probably is the better defender. In fact, he, in my opinion, anyway, he is the better defender. And obviously Liverpool's biggest threat is Mo Salah. Remember, Alexander-Arnold as well plays down that side. And although he's been um, quite uh, frequently drifting in field for Liverpool this season uh, from that right side. He is a big threat and you know that Henderson, will, if he plays or whoever plays in that position, will pull out to the right as well. And I think it's an area where Liverpool will be looking to hurt us. So what you've got a way up here is do you value the defensive side of the game or do you value the unpredictability and the, the kind of chaos that Nuno Tavares could cause in the final third, in the attacking third? Or do you say that actually Tavares is up to the the task of doing both of those things and therefore he should stay in the team? Or is Kieran Tierney capable of doing both of those things? In which case you pick him. I just, I've been going back and forward on this one in my mind over the last 24 hours, time and time and time again. But I think in the end, the decision I would make is a decision to bring Kieran Tierney back into the side, just because I feel like, although Nuno's done brilliantly, and I know I've talked a lot recently about the need to reward players for good form and the need to, you know, create this culture whereby if you play well, if you take your opportunities, you stay in the team. I just think Liverpool are too good a side for us to go, well, no, we're going to play our game. I think a lot of tomorrow's fixture is going to be about um, nullifying Liverpool for long periods and trying to keep them quiet. And essentially trying to stay in the game as long as possible. Like, I think this is a really good Arsenal side. I think it's a developing side. I think it's a side that have given us plenty of reasons in recent weeks and months to feel confident about the direction of travel. However, this is Liverpool. And I still believe that Liverpool, Chelsea and Manchester City are still on another level to Arsenal. And, and we have a long way to go before that gap will be bridged. And therefore, I think in this instance... You know, OK, look, Tavares gives you, in my opinion, something more unpredictable and at times more dangerous in the attacking third. But what we've got to remember here is we're not saying that Nuno Tavares is an incredible attacking force and Kieran Tierney's a poor one. Actually, Kieran Tierney can be quite a good force as well in the attacking third. So I think that 
on the balance of everything, assuming that Kieran Tierney is 100% fit, and I'm told he played very, very well for Scotland during the international break, which would suggest that he is in a, in a good, you know, in good condition, in good shape. I think that I would probably bring him back into the side. Now, had he not played for Scotland, the lack of match practice and the lack of match sharpness would have caused me to lean the other way. Um, so I think the international break has probably done Kieran Tierney good. With some players, it's led to them being injury doubts. It's led to them having some concerns, some problems, and that's not been great. But I think in Tierney's case, where he was out for a period of time, has come back now um, and has got some game time under his belt. OK, he wasn't playing against the likes of Liverpool, but he's got minutes. He's back to, to sharpness, you'd hope. And I think if the decision is and if the, the consensus is that he is back, you know, fit and firing, then he should probably just slightly on the balance of things come into the team. Now, I can see some of you are talking about Arsenal potentially playing with a three at the back and Arsenal may be playing a system whereby Gabriel slots into the middle and then you have a back three of White, Gabriel and Tierney. You know, we know he's played that position on international duty with with quite uh, or, or with much regularity. It's not something that's strange to him. It's not something that's new to him. He's played there for us a few times as well. You know, the argument is that maybe we should do that so that we can double up on that left-hand side and, and we can make sure that we handle Mo Salah, for example, as best as we possibly can. Here's my issue with that. And I, I, listen, I'm not rubbishing the suggestion because I think it is a good suggestion and I don't think... Um, Sam, who who raises it um, in the chat, uh, is is wrong to suggest this. I think it. Sorry, Steve raised it. I'm looking at your both your icons are orange, and it's confusing me in the chat box. I do apologize. Steve says we need to double up on Salah and play both. I I don't think that's a bad suggestion, and I think it's one that deserves consideration. I just feel like for me what you're doing is you're essentially saying that what we've done in recent months actually isn't good enough. Uh, when you take on, um, you know, when you take on a side of Liverpool's quality, you're almost saying that we're, we're coming here and we know that we're much inferior. And so we're going to change our system to try and accommodate yours. And I think there's a balance. I think you can make tactical tweaks in the current system. I think you can make slight adjustments that will ultimately, hopefully deal with some of Liverpool's threats and some of Liverpool's superiorities without ripping up the shape in the system that we've been playing with to good effect. So for me, I would stay with the back four. But you know, that is, again, dependent on a number of things. And I think one of the big factors for me as to whether this is the right thing or not is with regards to Thomas Partey. And and this all of this is interlinked. And I think it's really important that we make that point. If Thomas Partey is not available in the middle of the park and you're going to play Ainsley Maitland-Niles along with Albert Sambi Lakonga, I think that that midfield is lightweight and I think that that midfield could very, very easily get exposed, in which case I wouldn't be against switching to the back three to give us that added stability behind them and to protect the, the penalty area that little bit more. If Partey is there, I think Partey is good enough uh, to 
hold that position down in the midfield alongside Albert Sambi Lakonga, and then you can get away with the back four. So I think a lot of that for me, and while I'm saying right now on the basis that I don't know for sure that Partey is out, I would play with the four. If he is unavailable, there's a couple of things that would change for me in this team. And one of them is the the, the, the central defensive structure. I think if Partey's not there, then there is a bigger temptation and a better case for switching to that system, I would say anyway. But look, if Thomas Partey is fit, I think you stay with the four. If he's not, then I think you go to the three and I think you you lose, um, you know, one of your two forwards probably uh, in order to accommodate that. But let's assume, best case scenario, that Partey is available then he plays for me alongside Lakonga. Moving further forward, again, you know, the question marks, question marks about Aubameyang, but question marks too um, about whether or not Mikel Arteta thinks that he can play with the two strikers at Anfield. Now, I know that Lacazette has played in this hole a lot, you know, and and has dropped back and has defended and has done a very, very good job of that. I don't think you can question his work rate. I think to go into this game and say, is he going to work back enough is probably unfair and a little bit disingenuous because actually Lacazette has never given us any reason to believe that he wouldn't do the work, that he wouldn't put the shift in. But what I would say is this, is there a temptation to say, well, we're playing against Liverpool who play with a three-man midfield and at the risk of Partey and Lokonga or Maitland-Niles and Lokonga, whoever it is that is selected, get overrun, I'm going to drop another midfielder in there. And that would probably be Martin Odegaard. Now, I wouldn't do it. I'd stay with Lacazette because I think, as I say, I think he's given us uh, enough proof that he is willing to do that job and willing to do that work and willing to drop into those deeper positions and follow people and, and drop in that hole in between Partey and Lakonga and put the effort in, put the work rate in. I also think he gives us so much in terms of hold-up play. I think what you've seen quite frequently uh, in this system is when Arsenal don't have the ball, they sort of slot into this traditional 4-4-2 formation whereby it's two very narrow banks of four and then those two players leading the press. But again, you know, this is dependent on the fitness. This is dependent on the injury news. And if Aubameyang is a doubt, then Lacazette probably plays up front and then you're probably putting Martin Odegaard in there to fill in that role. I think hopefully Aubameyang will be okay, in which case I would play like this. Um, I think that's the right way to go. I think we talk about the back three um, and as that being an option. And I think for me, you know, it does become a bit of a back three when Arsenal have the ball. You'll often see White tuck in, Tommy Asu tuck in too. Tierney will push on that a little bit more. And then all of a sudden it becomes a, a three, four, uh, three, if you like, with Lacazette and Aubameyang. Or sometimes you'll see a three, four, two, one, if you want to call it that. I think it's... Um, you know, I think it's a very fluid system. It's a very fluid formation. And that's what I like about it. Uh, I like that even though on paper it looks like we're playing with a back four, actually a lot of the time we're not. And actually when we're in possession, we're trying to do something different and we're trying to cause overloads in certain areas of the pitch whereby Mikel thinks it's important. Now, you know, let me know in the chat, would you... Um, you know, would you look to pack the midfield or would you stick with the two forwards? In fact, uh, let's just quickly review the results of that first poll. Is Mikel Arteta um, playing mind games ahead of our trip to Anfield? 84% of you say yes. Let's put another poll in. Um, would you rather pack the midfield? Uh, what's happened there? 
I'm trying to type it in. Here we go. Would you rather? Wrong thing that would explain it. Uh, would you rather pack the midfield or play with Oba and Laka up top? Um, let's just put those options in. Pack the midfield, play two strikers. So get involved in that one as well, and we'll uh, we'll discuss the results of that one in a little bit too. Um, so look, this is not a straightforward team selection, right? There are a lot of issues. And a lot of things that Mikel Arteta uh, is going to have to think about and consider and contend with going into a game uh, like this. It's um, it's massive. Uh, Wesbird says, got to take heart from Liverpool's recent form. I think you're right. I think that's, you know, we've got to look at it and we've got to say, yes, you know, Liverpool aren't in the greatest of places at the moment. They've only won two, I think, of their last five Premier League games. OK, there's only been one defeat in that that defeat at West Ham, but they're not firing on all cylinders. I wonder, though, if the international break has done them good. I wonder if it's given them an opportunity to almost reset. And they're looking at this game. Arsenal, a team who traditionally they've been very successful against, especially in recent seasons, at Anfield, under the lights. Can they take advantage? Can they bounce back? I think they see it like that. From the conversations I've had with Liverpool fans, Liverpool content creators, Liverpool journalists over the last few days, they're confident and they probably should be. You know, they're a very, very good side. But I just feel like this is a good opportunity, similarly to when we went to Old Trafford last year and you looked at that Man United side and you went, well, we've got an opportunity here to get something. And we went there and we did. I feel like this is an opportunity to put that Anfield hoodoo to bed. But everybody has to be on top of their game. Tactically, it has to be spot on. There are a lot of factors that all need to kind of fall in line, if you like, for Arsenal to go there and come away with anything. And um and I think although we've got lots to be encouraged about in recent times, it's naive to think that that isn't the case. It's naive to think that Arsenal have the right to go to Anfield on Saturday and come away with all three points. So that's where I'm at uh, in terms of uh, of my kind of headspace at the moment. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the tactical side of the game as well, aside from the team selection. So we'll we'll touch on some of that as well, because I think this is important. How would you approach this? And and let me know in the comments because I think it's um, you know, there is um there is so much that it, it, I'm I'm intrigued about and, and there's so much I'm looking forward to seeing uh in this um in this fixture with regards to Arsenal's approach and Arsenal's mentality. Because what we've seen from Arsenal recently is um, you know, playing against opponents squeezing up the two forwards, Lacazette in a slightly deeper position, Aubameyang occupying the centre-half. You see Smith-Rowe drifting in from the left, the left-back pushing right up the pitch. You see Lokonga and Partey getting involved uh, in midfield, Saka from the right, and you see the back line squeeze right up to the halfway line. It's almost like a back three, as I've already explained, but you see them you know, squeeze right up because a lot of the time they feel that they have that superiority. They're trying to play the game in a smaller space. If you play the game in a smaller space, naturally pressing is easier. Um, you know, pressing is incredibly demanding physically. So you want to make the pitch as small as possible in order to do that effectively. But what I'm really interested to see is will Arsenal go to Anfield and say, we don't give a shit about your reputation. We don't care that you're Liverpool. We don't care that you're one of the top teams in Europe. We are going to come and try and impose ourselves on you from the very off. And, and there are positives and negatives to that, right? The positive is that traditionally, when we go to Anfield, we get overrun and blown out of the water 
inside 20, 25 minutes. And then more often than not, we concede, we buckle and we have a mountain to climb. Would Arsenal coming out that way and being that aggressive shell shock Liverpool? I think it would. And I think it would tell us a lot about the confidence of this team. If Mikel Arteta goes to Anfield and starts the game like this, squeeze him right up the pitch, your centre-halves right up to the halfway line, your forwards occupying the centre-halves, your midfield trying to close in on Thiago, Fabinho, Henderson, whoever it is that plays in Liverpool red, that would show cojones, as Troy Deeney would say. That would show balls. And I, there's a part of me that wants to see us do that. But there's also a part of me that feels that we are still inferior. We are still, you know, although we've improved dramatically defensively, we, we've not been tested at this level in a while now uh, against a team of this quality. And playing a high line, I feel, probably suits Mane, Jota and Salah. And what you don't want to do is you don't want those three players who are all fantastic, who are all rapid, who are all incredibly powerful runners and dribblers, what you don't want to do is let them isolate your back three when it turns into the back three when we push forward. And and that, it, for me, is, is the thing. Again, positives and negatives. If you play this way and those three players decide to stay up the pitch and don't get back and defend, then you have an advantage and you have an opportunity to really press and squeeze and hopefully break down the side. And the midfield will struggle to you know, police the central areas, but also police Saka and Smith-Rowe and Tierney who, or Tavares, whoever it is, coming down those flanks. So I think for me, you are, you know, th there are pros and cons and it just depends on how brave you want to be. Equally, you know, we've also seen Arsenal at times do something a little bit more like this, where we do sit on the edge of our penalty area. We do um, invite the press of our opponents and you can bet your bottom dollar that Liverpool will press. That's what Liverpool do. It's it's the aggressive style that Jurgen Klopp has implemented uh, with this side over the years. And so will Arsenal say, OK, come and press us because now with the likes of Ben White, with Thomas Partey in midfield, if he plays with Ramsdale's uh, improved distribution, we feel that we can invite you on and we have the ability to beat your press. We can pass between the lines. We are braver in that sense. We are more confident in that sense. So if you want to come and squeeze in on us and push us right back, come and do it. You know, so th this is what's interesting about this Arsenal side in comparison to years gone by. You could see us going and trying to be aggressive and pushing the line higher up and trying to pin Liverpool back. But equally, you feel as though we're in a much better place to drop that bit deeper and say, come on to us. And now with the improved distribution we have from the goalkeeper and from our defenders and the, the ability to break lines that we have in Laconga and Partey, midfield, Smith-Rowe, etc., etc., that we can go either way. And I think that's what's fascinating about this game. And I'm going to take so much kind of... Um, or, or I'm going to pay... I always pay massive attention to the game, but I'm going to really be focusing on that first 20 minutes because I think that will set the tone. But also the ability to be able to change that in-game is something that we haven't had for a while. And it's a sign of the tactical evolution of this side. Now, you know, you could go either way here. You could ask them, you could sit back and allow them to come onto us, allow them to press us and try and rely on the quality we now have in defence uh, and get broken down early on and it looks like a disaster of a decision you can also go the other way get caught on the break and that looks like a disaster of the season uh, of a decision but that is because Liverpool are that bloody good and because they are that 
talented and they have some incredibly good players. So I'm I'm intrigued about how it is that Arsenal are going to approach this, whether the initial approach is one that we persist with throughout the game or whether it's one that we see maybe isn't working or, or we tweak or, or whatever in game. I think that's um, that's why this game is, is going to be a fascinating tactical battle. Um, I just want to say as well, um, before I go back to the poll and review um, some of the results, um, I'm looking at a notification that I've just got with regards to the memberships right here on the Chronicles of Aguna. And I just want to say a massive, massive thank you and a massive shout out uh, to Wesbird, who is in the live chat, who has officially been a member of the channel today for 11 months, which is incredible. Um, thank you for your support all this time. Honestly, it means the world to me. And thank you to everybody that supports that is a member that, you know, um, even those who are just in the chat, who are just subscribed uh, normally to those who hit the like button, all of you, I really, really appreciate it. But I wanted to give a special shout out to Wesbird uh, for being a consistent and loyal supporter of the channel. Uh, thank you so, so much. I really, really appreciate it. And I'll check in if there's any more anniversaries. I didn't even know that you get these notifications. I've just seen one for the first time, so wanted to bring it up. But I will check. I'm sure there's others um, with anniversaries in there as well. But love to you all, as always. Right, let's get some questions in. Um, for the last sort of section of the show. I, I just want to quickly prompt you while you're doing that uh, to make sure that you do hit the like button if you haven't done so already, because there are nearly 200 of you watching us live right now on YouTube, but we've only got 39 likes on the board. Let's get that up to 100 between now and the end of the stream or as close to that really, really does help us. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you're new as well and keep your eyes peeled because on the Liverpool review show, um, I am going to be announcing a new competition that we're going to be doing on the Chronicles of Aguna for the next week where you can win yourself uh, an Arsenal kit of your or an Arsenal shirt of your choice. So it, I appreciate that a lot of you have uh, a lot of them already. So you can choose from the home, the away or the third kit. Uh, and I will be uh, will be giving one of those shirts away uh, to whoever wins the competition. So stay tuned for details and information on that. It's very simple. You'll have to answer a question. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already and make sure you retweet the tweet uh, on social media. If you don't have uh, Twitter, you can uh, enter by email, but I'll share all the details and all the information on that uh, after or during the review show, which we'll be doing tomorrow night. Uh, remember, hit the like button if you haven't done so already. And while you guys are popping your questions in the live chat, make sure you put a cue at the beginning. If you remember, it really, really does help. Then I will, um, I will read through those. But let me just give you my prediction. So I'm... Uh, you know, I, I've, again, this is something I've been racking my brain over in the last few days. And no matter how hard I think about this and no matter how much I want to be positive and, you know, I have been really positive about this team. I have been really positive about Mikel Arteta's tenure as a whole. I've been probably more patient than most. But what I would say is I still don't feel that this team in their development are in a place where we go to Anfield and I think we should win the game. I don't think it's impossible that we win the game. And I think when you look at some of their recent results, look, I know West Ham get a lot of praise, but I don't think that West Ham are much better than Arsenal. Um, I know that Brighton have had a lot of praise this season, but their form has been uh, a little bit patchy recently. And um, 
you know, they went to Anfield and obviously a result and turned in a very, very positive performance. So I'm not saying it's impossible, but I don't think there's enough evidence to say that I can make Arsenal the favourites here ahead of this one. I would be absolutely buzzing if I'm sitting here tomorrow evening on our live match reaction show talking to you about Arsenal coming away from Anfield with all three points. I'd be buzzing if we got a point, but I just feel that Liverpool still have a little bit too much. I do feel that although we've improved in a sense with our chance creation lately, we're still not quite there. I think Liverpool's defence has been vulnerable in certain situations. And I think actually probably set pieces are going to be key here. It's an area that Arsenal have really improved on uh, both defensively and offensively. And, and it's an area that Liverpool have struggled in. So I hope we can make those count. But my prediction is is more with my head than my heart. Um, and, and I've gone with a Liverpool 2-0 victory. Um, I've got the faith. Uh, you know, I, I know that might sound like I don't, but I do believe that we have a chance. I just I have to be pragmatic and realistic and honest in my predictions. And I do think that we'll probably get beat tomorrow. But as I've said before, it does feel like a bit of a free hit to me. And I know a lot of people don't like that term and don't like it to be said and don't like it to be... Um, banded about but I do think that as long as we go there and we're committed and we're stubborn and we're difficult to beat um, even if we do get beat then I think people will still look at this and say well actually you know okay we're not at Liverpool's level yet you know better teams than us have been to Anfield and got beaten but what I don't want it to do what I don't want to happen is to for us to go there and get blown out of the water and then that negativity starts again. And then the, that doubt creeps in again about whether or not we're on the right path, whether or not we're going in the right direction and whether or not uh, the manager is the right man for the job. I, I never like to judge things on small samples. I don't like to judge things on one or two or three games. I like to look at the bigger picture. And going to Anfield and being competitive would go a long way in showing that the bigger picture is is looking brighter than it maybe did at the start of the season. I, I said it at the time, we were three games in, people were losing their minds, losing their shit. I had wobbles about it too. Uh, you know, I wondered if Mikel Arteta was going to get this right. But, you know, that's that's what happens when you're a fan. You know, when you're a fan of a team, the emotion takes over and the emotion, um, you know, can get the better of you. But I think it's important that in the cold light of day, when you've had a bit of time to, um, to get over it and to you know, to process what it is that you've seen, I think then you have to be able to then be a little bit fairer, a little bit calmer. And I think that, you know, it's been difficult to do that, but I think we've done that well, um, both here and in the chat as well, um, for the most part. So, yeah, um, you know, what I don't want is, is, as I say, a negative result against a team that we have no right to beat. Um really changing the narrative around the club because I think we are in a good space. I think there is a lot of positivity and I'm really enjoying being an Arsenal. I'm not going to say I, I ever stopped being an Arsenal fan, but I'm enjoying being a fan again. And the last couple of seasons have been really painful because it felt like there was no uh, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. I feel like that light is there now and I don't want someone to slam the door shut on it, um, you know, because we might go and get beat comprehensively by a team that we all know if we're being fair, is is better than us. Uh, big thank you to Wesbird. Thank you so much for your your kind words uh, as well. Uh, let's go over to the comments and let's take some of your questions for the last sort of 15 minutes or so, or 10 minutes or so, 13 minutes, depending on whatever. Um, 
yeah why am i saying that i don't know anyway simply says who would be your first sub this is such a hard question um and and it's not one i'm going to answer and the reason i'm not going to answer is not because i don't want to but it's because i don't know i don't think you can predict what a first sub should be i think that in-game management is is key and the the state of play if you like should dictate what you do with regards to bringing on substitutes if everybody's playing brilliantly and you can get away with it I don't want to see a sub come on. You should pick your best team from the start. What I would say is that you will see players whose physical levels drop, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that should dictate the substitutions that you make. Um, I don't know. Let me know in the chat if you've got one in mind. But for me, I think um, I think it's something that you can't really predict until the game starts and you understand a little bit more about the state of play uh trini guna j says should we use the chelsea approach three four one two and nullify their midfield but be attacking as well listen i think for chelsea it works brilliantly okay and that's the way they play week in week out and it's a system that they know inside out i always think when you build a bit of momentum playing in a certain way it is massively risky um going uh, you know, changing it up and, and ripping up essentially what's worked for you in recent times. So I think for me, that's why when I was talking about the team selection, why I felt as though um, Mikel Arteta might actually say, I can't play Laka and Oba, although he's liked to do that recently and add Odegaard in to make that midfield a three on three, as opposed to uh, saying, I'm going to change my back line. I, I don't know, but me personally, as I've already said, I'd, I'd stick with the formation we know. And I think it is a formation that has flexibility. And if you pick the right personnel, we can be flexible in games. Um, and, and that is obviously is obviously massive. Um, Charlie O'Regan, this is a good question. I like things like this. Uh, favourite ever goal at Anfield? Mine's Freddie in that goal kit. So look, obviously the favourite goal at Anfield has to be the winner or, or the goal that made us win 2-0 and saw us win the title in 1989. Um, the Michael Thomas goal, of course, that has to be the best ever Arsenal goal at Anfield because of what it meant and because of what it did. But I don't remember that because I wasn't born. So for me, I, I the one that always sticks in my mind is, do you remember in the Invincible season um, when we had all those issues with Man United and we had all the suspensions and all that and we went to Anfield and people didn't give us a hope in hell of going there and coming away with three points? And Robert Perez scored that wonderful goal where he received the ball on the left and he sort of stepped in field, opened up his boot and just bent it into the top corner. That for me was an outstanding goal. And I remember the next weekend, I went and bought that yellow Arsenal top because I only had the home one at the time. I went and bought that yellow Arsenal top and I put number seven on the back for Perez. But I had an ego when I was a kid. So I put Harry instead of Perez. <laughs> but that, yeah, that's uh, that's the one for me. Uh, let's see um, what else we've got as well. Um, Wesbird says it would have been my mum's birthday tomorrow. So I'm really hoping we can get something for my lovely mum, who was a huge Guna fan. Um, yeah, I, thoughts and, and, and prayers are with you. And, and, and I'm really sorry that um, she's not here to see it with you, but I'm sure she's uh, she's watching down on you. Uh, is very proud and uh, is enjoying watching the Arsenal uh, seemingly improve. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed we get uh, the three points for Westburn's mum as well. Um, lovely little uh, dedication there. Uh, thank you for sharing it. Uh, let's see what else we've got here um, in the chat box. <laughs> Mint, uh, one of our members says, someone called Mickey Thomas. Is he busy Saturday? 
You know what? I'm not sure Mickey Thomas could press anymore, but we'll uh, we'll ask him. <laughs> uh, what else have we got? Uh, let's see. Uh, Al Carp says, hello, Harry. I am so glad the rumor about Alexander Isak is on the table again. What do you think about it? I like the player. I like what I've seen of him. Admittedly, as I've said to you guys before, I don't watch a lot of Spanish football at the moment. Um, just don't get the time. Um, you know, but yeah, look, he's a player that we've been we've been linked with. We were heavily linked with last summer. He's a player that the rumours have resurfaced about again. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd quite like to see him come. But again, you know, is he attainable? Is there going to be other clubs in there? What's the price going to be? I think that's important as well. Um, but yeah, he's a great, uh, great player and, and someone with a huge potential and someone who certainly fits into um, into the kind of profile of player that we seem to be looking at at the moment as well. Uh, on Twitch, we've got a, uh, a marketing message, CJ underscore TA online. Want to become famous by followers and viewers on bigfollows.com. I don't really want to become famous, to be honest. I just want to talk about Arsenal for a living and I'm living that dream at the minute. And as long as it lasts, I'll be grateful and, and be happy. I know it might not last forever, but as long as it does. Uh, I will take it. So I don't want to be famous and I certainly won't be buying followers. Uh, but thank you. Uh, Jid says, uh, don't you think that if Arteta changes the system or style of play and we lose, people will blame him and cite the tinkering for the loss? Then again, fans would complain either way. Never mind. Look, I do think we're in a place with Mikel Arteta where there are some fans who will take any opportunity to criticise him. I think there are there will be people who would say, yeah, I'd play with a back three. And then if he did it and we lost, would say that was the wrong decision. Hindsight is just such a wonderful thing. And you can use hindsight to analyse and to assess. But if you would have made the same decision prior to the game, then you can't really knock him for it. And I've done this loads of times where... I've reviewed a game on this podcast and I've said, you know, we sh maybe should have done this or this proved to be the wrong decision. But you'll always hear me say, I can't complain about the lineup if it was the lineup and system and shape that I would have picked prior to the game or that I talked about in my preview show. That's me being a hypocrite. And I think there, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of people out there that can be hypocrites when it comes to a manager. And, and a lot of the time, when they choose to be hypocritical, it's off the back of or it's fueled by some sort of agenda one way or the other towards the manager. So like, if you've got a positive agenda, i.e. you think he's great and you love him, you'll be less reluctant naturally to criticise him. You still criticise him, maybe, but you do it in a slightly different way. If you are really anti someone, then you will stick the boot in, won't you, when they make decision, uh, bad decisions. It's just the way of the world, unfortunately. But, you know, for me, I've told you what I would do. Therefore, if he does that and it fails, then you're not going to hear me sitting here on Saturday night telling you that Mikel Arteta was horribly wrong because I, I can't say that. Uh, Matt G says, Harry, we're currently fifth in the table. Would you end the league now and take fifth? I absolutely bloody would, Matt, because I think that would be a really, really good position. Um, I said that a top six finish would be a good season for Arsenal. A top four would be outstanding. A fifth would be good. And... Um, I guess I've got a few concerns about this Arsenal side, and this is maybe going off topic a little bit, but I'll just quickly share. On the one hand, I'm worried about us being able to maintain this run of results, this level of output in terms of points, because I don't think we are the finished article. I don't think that 
we're as good as we're being made out to be. But equally, I don't think we're as we were as bad as people made us out to be at the start of the season. I think there's a middle ground somewhere that is probably more indicative of where this Arsenal side are at. One of my big, big worries about this Arsenal side at the moment is the midfield, is the centre of midfield. We heard yesterday that Granit Xhaka will be back um, in, or is it aiming to be back in training by January, which coincides with when we're probably going to lose Thomas Partey to the African Cup of Nations and Mohamed Elneny, by the way. But first of all, can you rely on someone who's done an injury like Xhaka's just done to not have any setbacks? I think that's massively risky. I think the other concern is, and it's a concern with Granite Xhaka, is we've clearly adopted a more aggressive approach in terms of the way we press, in terms of the way we um, close people down. I don't know that he's suited to that. I think when he played against Spurs, where we were quite aggressive, and, and when he played against a, a couple of other teams as well, you know, prior to that, where he was being asked to squeeze that little bit further up the pitch and, and move into territories that I don't think best suit him, I think he looked a bit uncomfortable and I think he will look uncomfortable. I've always said this about Xhaka. He is a player that fits a certain way and anything beyond that, you start to expose his shortcomings, which I believe is a lack of mobility. I think that's the biggest one. I think that's the biggest shortcoming, the one that concerns me the most. And I just think that we have left ourselves incredibly short in the midfield position. Okay, at the start of the campaign, nobody foresaw Granit Xhaka picking up an injury that, like he did. He's been very, very good in terms of staying fit and available. It's one of the things I've always praised him for. Maybe I jinxed him, I don't know. But the midfield is an area that worries me. And it worries me because Thomas Partey seems to break down so frequently. It worries me because I'm still not 100% sure about Maitland-Niles. It worries me because I'm not 100% sure that Sambi Lakonga is going to be able to maintain this level over 38 games in the Premier League because he's so young. It's not a criticism of the player. It's not to knock him. But I just worry that we've left ourselves really short there. And I I would like to think we're going to try and address it in January, but I can't be sure that we're going to do that because January is notoriously a difficult window to do business in. So because of that big concern I have around the midfield, I would take the fifth place and I would take it now and I would bite your hand off for it. And then I would say, right, that's a good season. We're back in Europe. We look to build again in the summer and we look to move forward. So, yeah, I know I've gone around the houses there, but I have concerns about us being able to maintain this level and therefore being fifth feels like a really good spot and somewhere I'd, I'd be quite happy with if we finished up there come the end of the season. Great question, Matt. Um, that's going to be the last one we're going to take today just because of uh, time constraints. I am having the rest of the day off. Um, which is not something I get to do, but I'm working tomorrow covering the Arsenal game, working on Sunday as well. I'm on live commentary of Rangers versus Hibernian in the Scottish League Cup semi-final. Uh, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, former Arsenal man, of course, is um, is the... Um, it is the new Rangers manager, so that'll be interesting. Uh, but as I say, really busy weekend coming up. So I wanted to take some time uh, this afternoon. I'm sure you will understand. Uh, we've put out lots of content this week, but I wanted to take some time to spend with the kids because I don't really, well, I haven't seen them all that much uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, in the last month or so where things have been really, really busy. So looking forward to that this afternoon. But we'll be back, of course, tomorrow after the game. Uh, we'll be bringing you some reaction to it. And uh, fingers crossed, 
we are talking about an Arsenal victory. You never know. You can dream. Anyway, I'll catch you all later. Until next time, take care. Goodbye. Up the Arsenal. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to... 